Hello and good afternoon and good evening and good yeah, whatever time of day you're morning listening to this yeah. evening for us, but mm -hmm. could be any time for you. But welcome yeah. back to About What Pod. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Justin, and yeah. I'm your other co-host, Ty. I really wanted to introduce you. I'm sorry. Okay, here, let me go. Back up. Here is my other co-host, or I'm his co-host, or however we're co-hosts together. Here is the great and wonderful. Ty. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Oh, you guys are the best audience. Yes, they are awesome. Uh, I, I just wanted to play with that a little bit. So, yeah, you got a new toy. Got to play with it. Right? I like playing with myself. Mm -hmm. Wait, did that sound funny? Um, I was watching you play with yourself. If that's makes it, well, that, that makes it weird, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean the fact that if you're just watching and not lending a hand yeah. is really and what kind of friend would I be? Exactly, yeah. not a very good one. Yeah, if if you didn't help, but you generally help and usually. This sounds way too sexual. It, it's gone way too sexual. Yes. So, anyways, let me ask you: mm -hmm. How was your Christmas and how was your New Year's? The holidays are uh, behind us. Thank goodness. Um, yeah. So it was. You know, it wasn't bad. It was a pretty decent year. As much as I love this time of year and mm -hmm. love seeing them. Well, actually, when I say I love this time of year, I love the Christmas holidays mm -hmm. and stuff. It was kind of a letdown for me this year. But the one thing is, is once they're over, I'm glad for them to be over. There is a, a certain level of satisfaction that comes from uh, placing the decorations into the, the storage totes again to, you know, go to sleep for the year until next holiday season shows up yeah but i do really really dislike january and february <laughs> yeah probably not even probably by far the mm -hmm. the most boring especially yeah. where we live i mean because you're usually yeah. in the frozen tundra mm -hmm. nothing's going on it's cold there's yeah it, it, there's nothing to do it just, just seems like zero temperature yeah, eight weeks of nothingness that you need to get out before the sun starts peeking through mm -hmm. again in march and yeah, you know. So yeah, it's kind of you can't even really go for an effective like ride to you know go and see some things because you go out for a ride and all your windows fog up and nobody has any decorations up or uh, lights on anymore. So and if they do, then they're just kind of the odd ones on the block. Well, and I'll say that you know, me and you've talked about decorations and mm -hmm. stuff, and we decorate inside big time. We used to do it outside, mm -hmm. but we don't anymore because you know. I don't want to decorate for other people. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't mind going around and seeing the decorations, right? Yeah. But once New Year's has passed, mm -hmm. I don't want to see Christmas lights anymore because yeah. I think that gets into that thing where I was telling you is mm -hmm. if it's going to be up, if you can have Christmas lights up from Halloween until the end of January mm -hmm. or February, <laughs> is there any, what's, are they special anymore? Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, I just don't, if they're going to be up five months. Yeah, if you're <laughs> going to leave them up till February, you may as well leave them up till March. If you're going to leave them up till March, may as well just leave them up till July. And pretty soon, what's the point of taking them down? You're just going to be putting them up in a few months anyway. So you are talking about my neighbors. <laughs> they left theirs up all year. Um, you know, some of the new, some of the, the newer trends are to leave lights on your house all year long, but program them. Because now we've got... Uh, 
that we're living in the future where you can have any color or hue. Well, yeah, they they've LED got the they've got the permanent lighting mm-hmm. you can do, and a yeah. lot of houses around that around here have that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they'll go red for Valentine's Day, yeah, and, and then white the rest of the year. Just green well. for St. Patrick's, mm-hmm. red, white, and blue for the Fourth of July. Yeah, white's a very generic, safe color. Yeah, I I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I, I kind of think they're silly myself. I, because it kind of takes, again, I like Mm -hmm. Christmas lights during Christmas time. Sure. So, you know, if you start seeing Christmas lights or (laughs) holiday lights around every holiday. Yeah. Which, you know, there's a holiday every month or every couple of weeks. Yeah. We turn them yellow for Martin Luther King day. And uh, I don't know why I chose yellow, but (laughs) strange. Yeah. I I was trying to catch you there on some kind of racially mm-hmm. insensitive comment, but I... I, I think I, I've fallen into a very strange paradox that racially. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Even though I know you to not be a racially challenged. Is that a way to put it, racially challenged? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty pasty white. My, my people come from England. Yeah, pasty white and frog-eyed. I guess what I guess what I'm trying to get down mm-hmm. to saying is you're not racist in any way. I really work hard not to be, mostly because it's in my heritage. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, and the thing is, is if, and I'm not either. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Feel like I am. In fact, if I am at anything, I'm. I don't know what it's called when you dislike your own race. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the white man that we're both part of the yeah. tribe. They're the ones I dislike the most. Mm-hmm. It's because you got white man guilt. Oh. Oh, well, well, there is a word for it. I think, is it racial fatigue or something like that? Oh. Well, I don't where, feel fatigued. Yeah, it's like where you're so worn down from feeling racial guilt. I don't even think that. I, I just think I don't like stupid people. Yeah. Well, and... And I don't you're really gonna, care. You're going to find more stupid people within your own race. I think. Well, exactly. Well, yeah. and obviously that's the race you're going to, you know, have the most correspondence with. But yeah. um, my other problem is, and so I don't care. I don't like stupid people, no matter your color, creed, you know, Speaking whatever it is. stupid people, I am amazed, like shocked that there's that many Trump supporters in this world. I'm not. Because if you look at the other side, which I've always been somewhat of, I guess, a Democrat or a Mm -hmm. lefty, if you would, but I don't identify with their current politics whatsoever. Yeah. And I certainly don't identify with the the rights Mm -hmm. politics either. No, but I guess what really bothers me is that the only, the only reasons that I ever really come down to for people supporting Donald Trump and wanting him to be president again is because they enjoy being racist or they enjoy being intolerant or they enjoy being stupid. But but don't you think, you know... And he grants them license to do that. Yeah, I agree. But don't you think there's a probably a huge population that is just tired of all the politically correctness and all the Mm-hmm. you know yeah the the woke uh, generation yes because 
like everything else, it starts out and has good roots in it and Mm -hmm. well-meaning, but then it gets to be just virtue signaling where people, you know, I'm going to do this because Mm -hmm. it's the right side and look at how neat I am. And it's how I am. Well, I know you are. I just want everybody to know that I am, um, virtuous. Well, I am virtuous. Yeah. Well, I know you're virtuous. I am in support of people who are different from me. Everyone's different from you, Tyler. That makes me superior. But when I was, you know, when I was voting, you probably had a similar thing. You're mm-hmm. like, who do you vote for? <laughs> That's do kind you, of problem you, we run into, isn't it? <laughs> but but then again. That's what's going on in Congress right now. Well, I know. But when we say that, when we say that's a huge issue mm-hmm. that we can't figure out who we want to vote for, I think yeah. there's more people vote i think you got two groups of people i think you okay. got the group of people that are going to vote right or left because they just that's what they believe no straight, matter what straight to yeah it, they yeah. don't care mm-hmm. yeah. you know because that's all they know that they don't have mm-hmm. you know a, you know a motive of thinking of any sort you know oh, which who wants to put that much effort into researching every delegate and every candidate every uh proposal or uh don't you think that's why we should vote based on issues yes absolutely and that's why i think that uh the very easiest start to this is get rid of the uh the letters after people's names designating what party they belong to well problem is that isn't going to do any good because right now with the big money involved Mm -hmm. uh they're still going to be involved in a party whether they have a yeah initial to me you need to take the money out of it first Mm -hmm. because the biggest issue is why don't we have better candidates wanting to run Mm -hmm. and i think we know the answer to that too you know i mean they've been sandbagged exactly i mean the the republicans are sitting there or teabagged yeah the republicans are now in control of congress but they can't uh, get a speaker of the house yeah they don't have a a majority leader and that's a problem um, a problem that this country hasn't faced in over a hundred years. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I don't really care. No, I'm, but it's just more like, uh, I, I would say amusing if it wasn't so, uh, disgusting. Well, but that's the problem is it's not yeah. just this one issue. It's all disgusting. Yeah. It doesn't matter what we do. You know, we can have completely run, you know, by mm-hmm. the Republicans yeah. and things are going to get changed and things are going to get done, whatever. Mm-hmm. Everybody will grow tired of it. We'll, yeah. we'll vote in Democrats. Everything will get changed back there. Everybody mm-hmm. get tired of it. We'll, we'll yeah. keep doing the same old system over and over. Our system as much as it's great that this is an awesome country and we're free and all that. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. And we mm-hmm. have too many people steeped in, well, that's the way it should be. This is how things should suck. <laughs> yeah, this is how the gods that invented this country wanted everything oh, yeah. to run. Yeah, they wanted know? us to not pay any uh, taxes. Yeah. And they wanted us to uh, have to pay through the nose for health care. Yeah. It just, yeah. It, I mean, that's what, you know, as amazing as America is mm-hmm. and lucky we are to be here and be free and have the options we do. Yeah. At the same time, it's embarrassing of how far behind our country is in the medical field and the educational field in a number of things that we used to lead the world in. And now we're not even, I mean, right now in education, we're teetering down there with third world countries. Yeah. You know, our internet sucks. Our it's not all common core maths problem. (sighs) Yeah. Our infrastructure sucks. Mm -hmm. 
Oh yeah, we have how many? Bri- we have more bridges in this country that are out of speculation or out of out of code that Tyler, than we have within. That's not going to matter life. though, because once the water dries up, we won't need bridges. Well, I mean, if you're going to cross the gorge, you're going to just because there's no water to catch your falling vehicle doesn't mean mm. that you know unless you have a you Tesla. don't want to fall into the gorge. I guess you can drive off hills with a tesla anytime you want yeah you can do whatever you want you heard about that guy that tried to kill his family right uh which one in his tesla no oh really this one's new to me i just heard about the family in uh southern utah oh that too utah yeah i blame that on the mormons yeah that's probably fair yeah it's not but it was a very typical happy family until the mom decided to uh to file for uh file for divorce and then the dad freaked out and murdered everybody in the family and killed himself. You just you just told a very short version of the story because we have no idea why she filed divorce. I mean, we have no idea why, but it, that's what happened. Is she filed divorce as soon as she did? He murdered everybody. Yeah, eight his, people dead. His his five children, his wife, his wife's <laughs> mother, and himself. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's taught straight in the Book of Mormon. So, allegedly. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I mean, who knows what happened there, but I do like your shortened version of the song. I'll show you the song. <laughs> it's all a song, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we all write our own music with our lives, don't we? Yeah, it's just like, okay, well, if you're going to divorce me, I'm going to kill our whole family. I think that, what, is that a country song? It sounds like one. Sounds I, like I think if you throw a tractor and a dog in there. It sounds like the sort of thing that maybe Gretchen Wilson would sing. I don't is even, she even still alive? First of all, let me tell you this. Having a the foggiest idea who the hell Gretchen Wilton is. Oh, she was like a glorified white trash that sang mm. about being a redneck woman. Then I, can, I guess I can say this much to your question. Is she still alive? I hope not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm sorry if that's insensitive. I don't think it's insensitive. The, the fewer uh, people who glorify living a white trash lifestyle, the better. And see, it's I, not something to be proud of that you are trash. And see, I take it further. I think mm-hmm. the fewer people singing and producing country music, the better. Well, they're kind of a dime a dozen, aren't they? Well, there's too many of them already. Yeah. yeah. Country music's uh, too easy to dance to, and too uh, sugary sweet and wonderful. And yeah. I, I just don't like the twang. I don't like the violin. I don't mm-hmm. like the seems like you have a lot of people singing about tractors that have never actually driven a tractor. Have you ever driven a tractor? I have, as a matter of fact. So have I. And yet I don't like country music. Me neither. And I've had a dog. I've driven a tractor. Mm-hmm. I've kicked a bucket around. I've drank a beer. I've, yep. done, I've done all those kind mm-hmm. of things, but I've never sat down and sang about it all together mm-hmm. with a whiny guitar well, and a and violin. I don't attach any kind of significance to it. Well, I mean, it's not like we sing about wiping our ass. No. I mean, or, you know, I drive a forklift now. Do I drink? Do 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 I sing forklift driving songs? Yeah, does that become a lifestyle? (laughs) Yeah. This is who I am now, Dad. Yes. (laughs) I put on my uh, steel-toed boots instead of my cowboy boots. Do they make you wear steel-toed boots? Uh, Yeah. I I have composite toe because uh, here's a little secret. Anybody that's out there and. Uh, blue collar work like I am that uh, has to wear a, a safety toe on their shoes. Get a composite toe if you live in a, a cold climate. 
because steel toe will transfer the uh, the cold to your toes, but composite toes are made out of like graphite or something, and it doesn't conduct the the cold, so you don't get cold feet. That was an amazing analogy you made there. So, do you want to go to a steel toe boot during no the analogy, summer? No, just good advice. <laughs> well, I, I think it's more of an analogy because I yeah. don't think it's necessarily true. You don't think so? I have no well, idea. It doesn't conduct as quickly, I'll tell you that. Because what, what about the, during the, the summertime cold. when it's hot? Would yeah, you then, then, wear the the steel steel gets, then the steel gets hot and it conducts the heat here. Well, I guess it depends on if you're working in the sun too. Like, I mean, it ain't that hot. <laughs> no, it's not that hot. I mean, mo most of the time, if you're wearing boots anyway, you're going to have warm feet. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, wear wear some thick wool socks or something. Yeah. Don't, or maybe don't just be a pansy. Maybe just do what everybody else does and wear regular boots and screw those uh yeah steel toed boots mm -hmm. or composite whether yeah, they, if anybody asks because I mean really when you're dealing with certain pieces of machinery, um <laughs> your foot's not gonna be saved anyway. Well, <laughs> well that's that's the thing, and I think they're more dangerous. Well, well, they, depending on what you're doing, they're harder to walk yeah. in, they're harder to maneuver in. Well, they're rated for three thousand pounds. Uh, and th I went through forklift certification today, so this is how I'm pulling all these things uh, right off the top of my head. Uh, forklifts are 5,000 pounds. So regardless, um, it's going to crush your foot, probably sever your toes. Well, because then you're going to get your toes severed by a, mm -hmm. you know, by the hard toe. Yeah, exactly. The steel toe will just act like a guillotine mm -hmm. and just... Whereas right if off. you weren't wearing it, it'd just crush your foot. Yeah, exactly. Crush your foot and your foot might swell up and then go back to normal. Who knows? Yeah. You may have to have your boot cut off. Yeah. Or your underwear. Or your wiener. And now I don't know about why that falls in. See, here we go with country music again. Yeah, there I go. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, here I go uh, playing doctor. Just like, hey, you know, since you're in here, let's take a look at what you're working with. Well, exactly. Anyways, going back, there was a guy that drove his Tesla off a cliff, I guess, in California or mm -hmm. something. They thought it was an accident, but he was trying to kill, I think, him and his family or him and his friends or something. But they all lived. Did he lose big in the stock market yeah, or something? I'm not sure. Well, it really makes you wonder what motivates people. Or, or was he trying to prove a point? Like, oh, hey, look, Tesla vehicles are so self-preserving. They won't let you drive yourself off a cliff. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I know he's in trouble now. Should um, be. I don't know how they know he planned on doing it. Maybe he left a note or something. I don't pay attention close enough. But yeah, you know, speaking about things in the news, what do you about? What do you think about this uh, murderer? You know, up in Idaho at the college, and that's exciting. Yeah, they got a suspect. Hmm. Um, I think they've got the, not just a suspect, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they've got the culprit. Yeah, it, it, it's looking pretty grim for this uh, graduate student from uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, he's from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah, you leave DNA at a scene, mm -hmm. it's pretty much all over. And I, I find that kind of funny that yeah. him being a, a, he was a student yeah. for uh, going into criminal law. Mm -hmm. How How did so, he not know this? Well, I, I guess, is this the thing? Is is he studying criminal law as a way to, like, beat the system? If he is, he should have stayed in school a little bit longer yeah, before committing the he act. He did not graduate yet, buddy. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I mean, the one thing I'd say is at least they caught him, you know, yeah. I mean, that's good for all the families and stuff. Oh, yeah, Cause I can't sure. imagine what it's well for a while there when, before they'd uh, caught him, uh, there was reason for every uh, buddy that's, that knows someone in college or at college age to be in fear of their lives. Yeah, it was kind of like when Bundy was on the loose. Exactly. And, and things were going on, you know, when he there was... There wasn't a girl that was safe in this country. Well, that was a certain type, you know. Uh, brunette, long, Brun- straight hair. Young. Yeah, young. Obviously, mm-hmm. college age, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's eerie. You look at his victims and... The, he definitely had a type. Yeah, I mean, if you were blonde or ugly, you were fine. Yeah, yeah. and and he uh, like the. It's funny because this like uh, girlfriend of his, like uh, she was very very much a mousy version of his the girls he was attacking and murdering, but she had the same. I, 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 he just really liked that type. He liked the long, straight brunette hair. Yeah, that's that's certainly a story. It, that's another one of those when you uh, watch the documentaries or whatever, or mm-hmm. read the books about Ted Bundy is yeah. just how he was able to do that and move, you know, from state to state doing it, you know, obviously mm-hmm. it had a huge impact here in Utah mm-hmm. with it. Uh, yeah. And obviously in Washington, obviously in yeah. Florida, mm-hmm. um, where, where else there was, Oh, let's see all the across the, uh, some in Idaho, he had victims in Pocatello, Idaho, I think. Yeah, but it, it's just amazing uh, that, you know, the story, I shouldn't say amazing, but the story's just crazy, you know, with yeah. him be, being able to escape, mm-hmm. you know, from yeah. co- not just once, but twice. Yeah, from jail. Yeah, from jail. Uh, um, yeah, well, one time from jail, second time from by jumping out of the courtroom window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was in custody. Obviously, yeah. He was in custody. Time. And the way that he, pre- they prepared for that, he was like jumping from his top bunk down to the floor. And so he was conditioning his legs to absorb shock from that kind of a fall. Yeah. I mean, everything I've read and seen about him, he was still a sprained very, his ankle, but he, he got away. <laughs> a very, very intelligent guy. And yeah. it seems like most of these, you know, yeah. serial killers. Well, Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, they tend, they tend to be intelligent, mm-hmm. which, you know, makes you wonder where where is the line between intelligence and crazy, yeah. you know? and At what point do you become a psychopath? Yeah. And are they just intelligent enough to think they're going to get away with everything? I, I don't know. Maybe some of them do because think yeah, of all that, the unsolved that, murders that are. And that's just it. It's like, that's the, the real scary people out there is the people that we don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. But that's, if you haven't, I don't know who hasn't read or heard or seen any of the documentaries mm-hmm. about about uh, him, but they're pretty crazy. Yeah, he's a pretty intense fellow. Yeah. yeah. And yet, awkward and goofy around women. He, uh, he wasn't, I mean, for being a fairly good-looking dude, he wasn't... Uh, he kind of bumbled around the way he found his victims. But right? do you think that was a more of the play for it, though, to seem like a bumbling idiot, kind of, or a, some of it? Yeah, I mean, in order to appear helpless and needing, uh, you know, some assistance, and to appear non-threatening, like Buffalo Bill. Yeah, 
Do you remember Buffalo Bill? And yeah, he rubbed the lotion, or he had it rubbed the lotion on its skin. Well, but remember, he seemed helpless. And he had a broken arm, yeah. and he needed mm-hmm. help loading the yeah. couch. And of course, he yeah. beat the women and <laughs> stripped them down and cut their skin off to make a bodysuit, which is normal. Yeah, well, and he was very pr- uh, pragmatic about it. He starved them for three days to allow the the skin to become a little loose and saggy, and had them. Yeah, apply the lotion. Yeah, apply the lotion to make sure it was nice and supple so that uh, he could slice cleanly through the skin and get the pieces he needed. Yeah, what an amazing story, huh? Yeah. Um, way to go, Ed Gain. Ed Gain? Ed Gain? Gain? Yeah. So, um, have you ever noticed that there's like a disproportionate amount of serial killers that come from Wisconsin and minnesota the upper midwest well i've noticed a lot of them come from cold climate yeah which is creepy i guess you know what else do you have to do when it's january mm-hmm. and february and you're in the frozen tundra you plan yeah. out your murders i guess mm-hmm. which is yeah horrible well exactly you got uh dahmer gacy um the the guy from uh uh what's uh making a murderer these are all people from and Ed Gein. Well, the BTK. Yeah, BTK. Same area. Um, Green River Killer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It makes me think that there might be something in the water, or for it, the cold climate, people just go like real nuts. Well, I think you know, I think it's proven that you know it can cause severe dis- depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and a, not even severe depression. It can cause, I mean, I said it at the opening of the Psychosis. show, right? Is it's, it puts you in a state where you're like, yeah. God, this sucks. You know, I know yeah. the next eight weeks are going to suck. Yeah, we do. And we just, I guess the best thing you do is, of course, I'm not going to go out and kidnap or kill people because, yeah. you, you know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. not me, but. Yeah, you. I guess you just dive yourself into hanging out with your friends and playing games and doing things. And oh, I, I will say I had one of the best New Year's uh, New Year's Eves I've ever had in my entire life. That, that I find that strange because I felt bad. Why? Well, because you know we obviously invited you over, and then my two sons were over, and my mm-hmm. one son's girlfriend, and yeah, we just hung out and talked. You we know, had we, a great time. We planned on. <laughs> having games yeah. and playing games and doing all. And we, we spoke about it a couple of times. We just never got around to it. And, and my lovely wife, she's like, Oh, did I talk too much the whole time? Like you talked as much as everybody else did. We had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were talking about the mud flood. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, listener for, if you listen to our last week's episode, you'll know how much I love talking about the mud flood, but um, we actually sat down and watched YouTube videos, multiple YouTube videos of um, mud flood people or mud flood enthusiasts walking around different small towns around Utah, including our own, pointing out evidence of the mud flood. And it was uh, painful and yet hilarious to watch at the same time. Yeah. And but you also promised we'd never go back into this again. I know, I promised, but... Yeah, we, we sat there and watched five hours straight gonna, videos. Yeah, this is going to be my guilty pleasure, isn't it? The Tartarian mud flood's going to haunt me forever. Well, and we there is a, I shouldn't say famous, but a fairly well-known 
mud flood conspiracy conspiracy theorist that's based here in Utah that we watch most of his videos. Yeah. And that guy's I, famous. Well, I think he's famous through the Tartarian mud flood. Okay, so people, yeah. you know, I mean, anybody who's anybody in the mud flood <laughs> in the mud flood world knows this guy. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. He's famous in his own group, right? But yeah. since he's here in Utah, I don't think it'd be a bad idea if we attempted to reach out to him we, and we, bring we, him on an episode because you know what? We, we talked about this on New Year's. We the, did. Yeah, we, we said, you know, he's just, he's down in Salt Lake. <laughs> he's been up here already. Well, you know. We'll call him up and just, hey, give us your best rationalization for it you know, well, yeah when you, you listen yeah. to our two tartarian mud flood episodes we, we can't we can't believe it we can't buy into it yeah and we we do everything we can to buy into it yeah. but we can't get there because there's nothing mm -hmm. that is correct so i guess we need somebody that is fully vested in this belief yeah to explain to us exactly how and why and yeah it, and then that way instead of just laughing among ourselves we can laugh in his face yeah because I mean, let's face it, Justin, you grew up in this same town that we live in right now. He he visited this town. He was pointing out buildings that you remember <laughs> these buildings before they got renovated, mm -hmm. before they added on these additions. And so it just kind of falls apart when you were there. Well, I think we spent enough time on the mud flood. Yeah. Let's uh let's go to a break and we'll we'll talk about something else after that. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download this free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome back to About What. This is Justin again. If you haven't, maybe you've forgotten, I don't know. And Tyler's over here somewhere. Here I am. I see him. And we're getting to this part we call Get to Know Your Co-Host. And I'm guessing it's my turn tonight. Is, it is. Is that what... Uh, it's your turn to, uh, I'm just forwarding you an email. Oh, I yeah. appreciate that. Hopefully it's a dirty one. I, I consider it pretty dirty. It's a silly one. <laughs> it's definitely you, silly you know, one. you know what I'll think of it. Yeah. Anyways, before we get to that, what do you think about the decorations we did here in our podcast studio last week? Okay, so um, to let the, uh, the non-viewing listener in on our little, what Justin's talking about, um, we went through, and by we, I mean, I was sat on my butt and watched while Justin put up some uh, posters of Jim Morrison, The Beatles, The Who, and it's really turning the studio down here into a work of art. Yeah, we've got the one framed poster. Well, it's not even really a poster. It's uh, It shows all the Beatles albums. Yeah. It's a wooden... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it's a big um, like display of all all the artwork from the Beatles albums. Yeah, from Meet the Beatles. To then the I've got an Abbey, Abbey Road poster. Yeah, 
where they're crossing road. I got a who poster. That's pretty cool. It shows yeah. them all four on stage. Pete Townsend jumping about six feet in the air in eight panels that he's uh, pinned up right next to each other with tiny little gaps in between. That's very cool. Then I've got a Doors poster up here above Tyler. Yeah. It's got some Doors albums. It's got a lizard on there. It's got Jim's belt. I've got a pit, another poster of the Morrison. King. And then I've got another poster behind me of Morrison that's got a yeah. poem on it. A new epitaph for Père Lachaise. No, Lachaise. Lachaise. Now, you know where that is. Yeah. It's the cemetery in Paris that he is buried in, presumably. Oh, okay. Ah. Of course, we we are well. There is a there is a marker at the grave. There is a marker, and you know what was funny is uh, someone put a stone uh, head bust of Jim mm -hmm. there, and it eventually got stolen. And a man from Utah made a new one. Oh, flew it over there and was going to put it there, and the cemetery would not allow him to do it. Dicks. So. But when um, we when we do get to our Jim Morrison episode, yeah, the French are assholes. Yeah, kind of. Have a, yeah, they've got a reputation for a reason. Yeah, and I don't even know what they've ever done for us, to be honest. They've just always been French. Yeah, they've yeah. just been French. So, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I don't feel too bad. We might have to go back and edit this out, but I haven't seen any listeners from France yet. So not yet. So as soon as we uh, we get uh, one of our French listeners, uh, Bienvenue. Uh, the uh, the asshole. <laughs> I was going to say we welcome you. But I can't remember how to say that in French. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know any French. Nous sommes très très les vous êtes avec nous. See, si. yeah. Okay, so get to know your co-host. Yep, I, I, I hit me with it. Okay, here it is. I don't remember. Okay, here it goes. Okay, if or when if or when you are ready to go on a vacation, okay, where would be your primary vacation destination, and why? Like. Um... I do want to clarify it. Is this like a a place I would like to travel consistently or a place that I frequently kind of, it's my go-to vacation well, let's, spot? Let's put it this way. Let's let's say this summer okay. you're given a two-week full expense paid trip and you can choose anywhere in the world to go. Where would you go? Europe. Anywhere in particular or all over Europe? Um, I would start in Britain and uh, go down to uh, France. Let's see. That you just got done trashing. Yeah. Um, I want to go see Jim Morrison's grave. That's that's about the only missing, thing I'd want to see in France. That's missing a, a bust of Jim Morrison. My parents went to Paris a few years ago, went all over Europe. Italy. And they went to Paris, and they said that was the their least favorite part of the trip. They said it was dirty, nasty, and stupid. Yeah. That's all I know. Um, maybe I'll go over to Spain as well. Go to Catalonia. Because, I mean, really, when it comes to Spain, the only thing that's really interesting to me about Spain is this region, Catalan, that we talked about uh, in our Christmas episode, where you beat the shit log. 
Yeah. Um, because not only do they beat the shit log, they also have a, a part, like, when in their nativity scene, they have the shitter, the guy taking a, a dump. And so, in addition to the three wise men and the shepherds, there's this guy take, popping a squat on the side there. And this is your dream vacation. Well, I, I, if I'm going to go to Spain, that's going to be my whole thing because these sound like my people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that is. Um, I want to go see the French Riviera and then uh, Italy, Switzerland. I would love to see Switzerland. So let me... So obviously you want to travel all over Europe. Well, yeah. If I was to refine the question a little okay. and say, where would you go if it was a two-week, all expenses paid, relaxing vacation? You know, not a travel all over the place, but just go okay. somewhere to hang out and relax. Um, I'd probably go to California. Really? My wife and I took a trip to uh, the Bay Area, Monterey to San Francisco a few mm-hmm. years back. Yeah. Had a great time. Yeah, I I love the Monterey area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monterey and uh, it's yeah, Carmel by the sea. Yeah, where Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, he yeah. was the mayor. He of, was the uh, mayor. But that whole area right there mm-hmm. in Monterey is beautiful. Yeah, I I really like it. Um, mm-hmm. it you know, I I probably wouldn't be right in Monterey, but I'd like to be outside of it if I was to live there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll tell you, if I was to live there, not not in Monterey, um. I mean, the nicer area to live would be Carmel, but I'd probably live up in Moss Landing. Yeah, that's not bad either. It's, Moss yeah. Landing, it's more rural, but that's where like the rafts of sea otters, wild sea otters live. What, would you just go out and play with sea otters For all day? two weeks straight. I'm sure my wife and I would just be out there with sea otters, hmm. watching the, the, the babies uh, eat with their moms. Interesting. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I really, you know, I... I haven't heard good things about San Francisco recently. You mm-hmm. know, they're having a problem with crime and yeah. they're not prosecuting or even arresting people for. And, you know, big cities, they go through cycles. Yeah. Um, New, New York used to be a real dirty town, real crime ridden. They cleaned it up. Who knows? I mean, their their cycle will come around again, I'm sure. Yeah, but, it, but San Francisco is a cool town. Yeah. Just the way it's all designed and, yeah, you know, it, mm-hmm being on the sea it's it's pretty yeah. cool i i some really funky architecture too i love buildings and seeing what mankind has created well you know and i i enjoy everything in san diego and even la mm-hmm. i like the la area yeah i mean it's amazing that you can go from the beach on the ocean an hour inland and be right in the mountain skiing you know yeah. i mean <laughs> it they've got a little of everything in there and it mm-hmm. i mean there, there are a lot of people, but there's a lot of cool things to see there, too. Yeah. So I like the whole coast, mm-hmm. the, the West Coast. Yeah. So um, something my wife and I want to get into in the near future is train rides. Um, it's kind of like a cruise without the water. You know, get on a, a train and go see the, the country. I saw a video yesterday i believe of um a cool train ride that goes all through canada everywhere oh yeah and the train the train cars that you're in all have glass ceilings oh and everything so you can view everything oh that's way cool yeah i I can't remember where it goes but it's like a eight day trip yeah you kind of like in hard days night yeah there's some really awesome ones i mean as long as i get um 
Paul McCartney's very exceptionally clean granddad exactly. to ride along. Exactly. He's a troublemaker, though. He is a troublemaker. I, You know, and I guess I don't know when we're going to release this episode, but we will say that we were going to review on our About Movie Time episode mm-hmm. the Beatles movie Help. Yeah. But Tyler did a horrible job. I could and not. waited until the night before <laughs> to try and find it. Yeah, it, I I let our listener down. I'm so sorry. But then again, I'm looking forward to it. This episode may be after we've already reviewed Help. Good thing. That's the magic. Yeah. Because, I mean, really, with the, the new year, new us, we, we also have a couple episodes sitting uh, on the in the wings waiting to come and make their appearance yeah for sick days and things like yeah. that when we need to release an episode yeah yeah which you know i probably ought to take sick days as much as i've been coughing and stuff but is what it is right yeah get crappy lungs well i think you'll enjoy help mm-hmm. i'm re- so, like i said i'm really looking forward to it it's it's definitely different than hard day's night it's yeah. in color mm-hmm. it it seems well, in, in my search for the movie Help, I found the uh, music video for Help. Yeah. Which is hilarious. If I remember right, that's one where they're all kind of sitting in a line peering yep, around each other. Around and Ringo's other. holding a, um, an umbrella. umbrella yeah. Because there's no drums in it. Yeah. There's just guitars. and um, Well, there actually is drums. Is there the drums? Song. Oh, yeah. Well, Ringo, Ringo's not playing. There. Not in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Not in the <laughs> not movie. The, not in the video. Or yeah. the video, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's drums in the song, but in... Oh, uh, Ringo doesn't sing in it. No. Thank God. So he's basically sitting back there at the at the tail end of the or he's the caboose on this train, holding an umbrella, and these guys are kind of bopping in and Yeah, out. John's John's in front mm-hmm. playing the guitar yep. and singing the song. He's the main yeah. lead on the song. And then you got Solo Paul McCartney Paul. behind mm-hmm. him and then George Harrison, yeah. douchebag, and mm-hmm. then Ringo Starr. What's kind of douchebag in that? Yeah. I don't like George Harrison. Mm-hmm. He's my least favorite Beatle. Yeah. And there's a number of reasons why, but I I kind of you know, I kind of have mixed feelings about it because I think he's the one that essentially broke up the Beatles. Oh. I really do. And you know you, that would make sense. You could look at that as a good or a bad thing, but yeah. if if you know about George, he's just he never even thirty years after the Beatles broke up, he still had nothing good to say about Paul or John, and it's unfortunate because you know, I'm he George, was George. You're just not that talented. I mean, he was a talented guy. Yeah, right? but he's not that talented. But he was in a band with Lennon and McCartney. Yeah. And he should have learned his place. And that's my have. opinion. Yeah. So. Um, and, you know, he had a, a good place in that band. He did. It's not like it, he was still playing lead guitar. It's not like he was, uh, you know, putting the little kid's table or anything. Well, and when we got towards the end of the Beatles uh, being together, he, he was, re- they were allowing him to release more of his songs on the albums and stuff as well. So, yeah. you know, it is what it is, but. I, I like him. They wouldn't have existed without him, but he certainly wouldn't have existed without them. No. And, and he, he was the one, you know, John formed the Beatles and mm-hmm. Paul was the main driving force, especially in the later years behind, you know, behind the Beatles. Yeah. And, um, they were always, especially even after they broke up, both John and Paul were, and even Ringo were all very, very aware 
of how that was their vehicle to success, right? Sure. And George is very always dismissive of that. And oh, really? It just kind of struck me wrong, you know. George, how are you going to back that up, huh? Yeah, I don't know. But we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that when yeah. we get to the, the help episode. Yeah. Um, this has been a really, uh, a really fun couple months uh, since I've been coming over to the studio. Justin has been um, doing conversion therapy with me, um, walking me through the the Beatles uh, anthologies. And uh, he is a completist. He has all of the records, all the albums um, in mono, stereo, and special collections. It's It's been very exciting for me uh, as he's trying to convert me to being a Beatles fan. Well, do you consider it convert conversion therapy? Do you consider it just seeing if I can make you a fan? Because, I mean, in all honesty, I probably don't really care if you like them or not. But it would be nice to have another person to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, which which actually, regardless if you like them or even mm-hmm. are converting to a fan, yeah. I have been talking to you about them, right? I've certainly been enjoying it. And, you know, what's so amazing about them is in the seven years they were together, or at least the seven years they did recordings, mm-hmm. um, they did a lot. Yeah. A lot more than most bands do in 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, not to mention movies and yeah. And then their solo careers and memorabilia and everything on top mm-hmm. of that. But what Mo- movies that they still inspire? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just recently saw that there's another movie out there. I can't remember the name of it, but the premise of it was that there's this one guy who wakes up one day and finds that he's the only person in the world who's aware that the Beatles existed. Have you seen this movie? Awesome. No. It's called Yesterday. There it is. Um, It's a pretty good movie. Yeah. You need to watch that, and we're going to review that one soon. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's an amazing premise. You know, because like you said... While I was trying to find help, I came across this movie, I thought, that sounds pretty interesting. You need to watch it. Yeah. It's really... The premise is excellent, because it's basically, you know, the Beatles are the soundtracks of a lot of people's lives. Mm -hmm. And even people that don't like the Beatles, no Beatles songs from commercials or remakes or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you know, and they may not not even know they're the Beatles. I was uh, listening... Oh, we were listening... We were watching that movie, uh, Goodnight Oppie. And they played uh, Here Comes the Sun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. And most, and you know, a lot of people know that song, but they might not right off the hand know it's the Beatles. And by the way, that's a George Harrison composition on the very last album, Abbey Road. Mm -hmm. Well, when I say the last album, it was the last album they recorded, but Mm -hmm. the second to last album to be released. I see. Um, But, anyways, yeah. So what are your thoughts now after we're halfway through the so-called conversion therapy? <laughs> I'm thoroughly enjoying it because, I mean, but I, I, I guess I'll, I'll give you a little explanation of how this conversion therapy has been working. Um, Justin will put on either a record or a CD in either mono or stereo. And let me tell you, we've listened to both mono and stereo, very different experiences. Um, and very different experiences, especially depending on which album it is. Yeah, I mean, obviously, their first five albums, especially more more their first four, but 
especially the first five, yeah. were recorded based on mono because that's what everybody had. You know, people yeah. just didn't have the stereo systems very much. And so stereo was kind of a fake fold-down creation of the mono. You know, they mm -hmm. just move them. Um, not until Sgt. Pepper's was, uh, which was their eighth album, mm -hmm. was stereo a priority. Yeah. And and that's even kind of debated as well because a lot of people think Sergeant Pepper sounds better in mono. It's like this big thing that's out there. You've got to listen to Sergeant Pepper's <laughs> in mono. It'll blow you away. <laughs> I've listened to it in mono. In in some ways, mono can be more powerful, but mm -hmm. it's also more muddy. Is probably yeah. the way to put it. it. It just everything blends together, right? Because yeah, there's it, only one uh, microphone picking yeah. up all the sound. Well, basically, you know, if you're staring at two speakers, right, one on the left, one on the right, you the, that every bit of sound is coming right through the center. Yeah, it's centered at you. Where if if you're playing the stereo of that same with the speaker on the left and right, you may hear a bass guitar on the right. You know, you may hear the main vocal on the left, the backup vocals on the right, and it sounds so much better on a stereo. The only time that's not good is sometimes when you've got headphones in. Sometimes it can kind of discombobulate your hearing a little sure. bit. And mono on a stereo system doesn't want to, or a radio system, whatever you want to call it, with sure. external speakers, doesn't sound as good to me as it does on the headphones, but I, mm -hmm. I tend to like stereo all the way around. Even some of the goofy mixing yeah. of them, it, it just sounds better. Mm -hmm. It sounds cleaner. Yeah. I, I can, I, I, I can say that I have a, an appreciation for mono listening to it in mono. Um, now that we've listened to them in both. Yeah. It, because the, I, I can tell that there is a difference and the, when the Beatles started recording, that's all they had. Stereo hadn't really become a thing yet. They would do the fold down stereos where they take, you know, like the first album I think was recorded on a four track, right? Yeah. So you got drums on a track, you got guitars on a track, you got the the bass and backing on another one, and then the vocals on one, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Um, and now we have the ability to record on 500 damn tracks, you know. I mean, yeah, you can mix anything. And keep in mind, most people's radios you know, whether they be in the car or whether they be a little stereo or radio system at home was just a single speaker. Yeah. So you could have been playing a stereo record or a mono record and you're getting the same output. Yeah. Anyways. And mm -hmm. so more, more effort was put into mono to mm -hmm. have that one direct channel sent at you. And that's just yeah. common through all, mm -hmm. all contemporary music at the time. Right. Yeah. The, the thing that's very strange about the Beatles is where they were signed with EMI records in england mm -hmm. um they released as you're looking at their these albums right mm -hmm. they released those 13 albums in order in a in a certain album order all in england america especially mm -hmm. the first like five albums they released completely different in america in a different order a different song order and they had heavy reverb on the recording, so they sound different. They did different mixings, yeah. and I have no idea why they chose that. But they just released them in different orders, you know, because mm -hmm. the Beatles released a lot of singles at the time. They'd release a couple singles leading up to an album, mm -hmm. but those singles wouldn't be on the album. 
But in America, they didn't do it that way. They'd released their first album, which had some tracks from their first and second album, some of their singles, and it was just really weird. So mm -hmm. most people at that time didn't have the ability to get their original albums. You know, yeah. they only got the American albums, mm -hmm. which it, their, their catalog is so interesting because you have mono and stereo versions. You have the American versions, which were mixed differently and had a heavy reverb, almost a echoey sound on them, mm -hmm. especially the first few albums. Yeah. And you'd get those out of Japan and Germany and stuff and have different pressings and different mixings. And I, that's something I've never really understood the answer to. And I don't know if they did it with all music at the time, but the Beatles more in particular, they did, they would send them to that country's, um, record label mm -hmm. you know it was capital in the united yeah. states which was owned by emi but then they would put their own mixes on them which i i never got why they did that why they wouldn't keep them the same but once you get to sergeant peppers which was their eighth album mm -hmm. then it was universally worldwide released that way they quit doing mixes and different mm -hmm. album compilations that that forward no matter what country you got the album in, they mm -hmm. were the same, the yeah. same running order, the same mix, the same everything. Mm -hmm. So, well, and this is a time when uh, the what well, they the importing from England would have been kind of ridiculous. So that's why you had separate studios. I'm sure, rather than print all the. Um, the or rather than what publish all the albums in England and then ship them over to the states. Yeah, but they still had to build the albums and put them together and everything. Yeah. And so, why wouldn't they use the original artwork, the original album running order with the songs mm -hmm. and everything? That's what was strange about it. Yeah, um, I wonder if they thought that the American audience had a different taste or something, but it it doesn't really make sense because. No, me, me, you know, I picked yeah. it up in the late eighties. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And they had re-released in, I think 85 or 86, all the Beatles original UK albums, how they were mm -hmm. meant to be yeah. on CD. Right. Yeah. And all the American albums basically were out of print. The American albums were only ever released originally on vinyl, maybe some cassettes already, but mm -hmm. they, they had long been out of print. Right. Yeah they had released some greatest hits that were big sellers that what they called the red and the blue album. They had a double red mm -hmm. album and double blue album, which was their early and their later stuff. And that kind of revitalized it. And they, you know, they did their CDs. So when I started collecting them, I only knew the English albums, right? Mm -hmm. The UK albums. So I knew them how they were meant to be, Yeah. but the Beatles on their, you their U S albums, they didn't have any say in the way they come out. That was a Capitol records mm -hmm. thing. And so I discovered them later when they released them in that manner. And not only are they in a different order as far as songs and they're on different albums, but like I said, they had that heavy reverb, reverb, uh, echoey sound on them. And they're, yeah. they're kind of piss poor sounding really. Yeah. Well, that's something that I've noticed very strongly about the Beatles. And I kind of gather that, uh, John Lennon, Paul McCartney were pioneers in this in that they took a great interest, much more interest than just showing up to the studio, uh, singing like a canary, and then, you know, going home. Uh, these guys were in the studio 
messing around with the recording equipment, messing around with different tracks, because uh, you pointed out to me that a lot of times you'll hear John Lennon singing back up to John Lennon. Well, you know, their first their first five albums up till help was pretty much they took these songs and they were pretty straightforward. They'd record them in the studio, record them fairly quickly. You know, there wasn't a lot of backing on them. Mm -hmm. Uh, They got into rubber soul, which as you can see was their fifth album, rubber soul and revolver were quite a bit different, especially revolver, which we're going to listen to tonight after this. All right. It'll be our album tonight that we introduce you to Uh, a lot of people consider revolver their favorite album. And it it certainly is the biggest turning point because it's, Mm -hmm. They recorded it the summer before they quit touring, but everything they recorded was done studio wise. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of loops and tricks and things done and they never performed any of the songs off of it live. Yeah. It was the first album they didn't do live. And then obviously the next album after that was Sgt. Pepper's Mm -hmm. and everything done on Sgt. Pepper's, which is considered one of the most groundbreaking albums of all time, if not the best album of all time. I don't know if it's held up as well for a number of years. It was considered the best album of all time and it seemed to fade a little bit. And I I think that just comes because of overplay. Like you hear certain songs so much, but it was created completely in the studio they painstakingly spent a lot of time doing overdubs and mixing tracks and things like that. And they specifically did it as a studio album, knowing that it could not be reproduced outside mm-hmm. because at the time the technology wasn't there. Right. Yeah. I mean, now you can reproduce anything on stage, mm-hmm. but going forward with that album, that, that was kind of their, their deal. They, they, put a lot of effort into recording process, you know, whereas you look at their first album, please, please me. They recorded it in a couple days, you know, with the Beatles, they recorded it in a week. You know, I mean, these albums, they recorded fairly quickly because number one, they'd been playing these songs in clubs and venues for years and years Mm -hmm. and years. So really they go in the studio, all they have to do is plug in and hit record. Right. And they're done. Just do what they do. They're going to hit it, but everything else was actually studio created. Right. From, from uh revolver on. Yeah. And for the most part, you know, and like I was saying, uh, the, the Beatles seem to really take a huge, vested interest in um seeing what they could do in the studio seeing what different sounds they could create how different mixes and playing around with different things yeah and it was it was groundbreaking too in fact one of the only other bands to kind of be on that with them at the time was the beach boys with pet sounds when that come out um Paul McCartney, you know, still thinks uh, the Beach Boys song, God Only Knows. I don't know if you know that song. Mm -hmm. It's actually the theme song to Big Love on HBO. God Only Knows Uh, Why I'd Be Without You. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Paul McCartney still thinks that's the best song ever written. Oh, really? Yeah. And, I mean, that album, Pet Sounds, is amazing, too, because it 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 came out about the same time as Sgt. Pepper's, and it was just different. It wasn't the normal Beach Boys. You had God Only Knows. You had, you know... You had uh, Sloop John B. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Good Vibrations, yeah. which is, you know, you listen to the song, the sounds and things mm-hmm. on it, and it, it was just different, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people hold Sgt. Pepper, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys is the two best albums of all time. And they mm-hmm. both come in the summer of 67. Yeah. 
you know, and so it changed the face of rock music. Mm-hmm. It really did. And the way it was released and the way you used the studio to create these things, you know? Yeah. But anyways, I think it's time for another break mm-hmm. and we'll be back with you shortly. Hey listener, this is Ty from about what podcast. If you've been listening to us, you know that Justin is a huge car enthusiast. Maybe you yourself are a huge car enthusiast. Maybe you've just purchased yourself a brand new Trans Am that you want to get all fixed up. Or maybe you've got yourself an old Chevelle. uh, Maybe an old Chevy pickup that needs to restoration. Whatever it is that you've got, why don't you head over to joltparts.com. That's Justin's website. See what uh, parts he's got for your restoration, modification, customization. He's into all kinds of stuff. And if you are a listener to this podcast, and I'm assuming you are if you're hearing this, um, you get an offer of 10% off any purchase of $100 or more at checkout. Just use the promo code about what. That's all uh, lowercase letters about what. And Justin will give you 10% off your first order of uh, parts from joltparts.com. So turn your clunker into a classic and uh, fix up your brand new Trans Am, um, GM, uh, Pontiac, Mopar, Chrysler, uh, whatever it is you got. Go take a look. We are back with um, our third segment here third yep we're talking about the beatles this week um and i guess i brought this up because we've had um so i've mentioned before that justin's been doing this conversion therapy with yeah which you have aptly named i i wouldn't call call it conversion conversion therapy because you know it's it, it feels a lot like i'm sitting with some missionaries trying to convert me over to their religion um yeah and, I, yeah, and I don't feel like that's what I'm trying to do. I think more than anything, what I'm trying to do is just share my love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's really fascinating, and I'm having a great time with it. So I wanted to kind of give our listener a taste of what it's like behind the microphones or after the microphones are turned off, and Justin, you know, turns on the LP record player and uh, starts playing music from the Fab Four and yeah so what i mean what's your overall take on it so far i mean very enjoyable well do you does it give you a better appreciation for the beatles because you were never a beatles fan no and really my whole thing with the the beatles not being a big beatles fan i i understand that the beatles are a huge group possibly the best group ever well that's where you're wrong I know you were going to say they're definitely the best. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where this possibly bullshit is coming from, but... Uh, I mean, that many fans can't be mistaken. Well, you know, and I think you even take that away because, I mean, obviously you've got people that have fans like Taylor Mm -hmm. Swift, but and we we pick on Taylor Swift a lot because she can handle it. Yeah, exactly. But Her bank account will absorb whatever criticism will throw her away. The one question is this, though. They were the biggest when they were around. They were the biggest basically in the 70s when they were broke up, and they're still one of the biggest today. Mm-hmm. Um, once Taylor Swift can say 50, 60 years after her career is over that you know people yeah. are still buying her albums at the 
rate they are the Beatles, then maybe mm-hmm. she can say something. And, you know, I think that's one thing, if anything, that turns me off a tiny bit about the Beatles is they are so popular because I don't mm-hmm. tend to gravitate towards yeah. popular things. In fact, I sometimes find it in an intrusion mm-hmm. when other people like the same thing I do. Sure. I don't know if that makes sense. It it absolutely does make sense, but mostly because when uh, something becomes a fad or popular at the moment, people don't really understand it. They only understand that this is what everybody who's popular is into right now. And so therefore I'm into it. Um, The Beatles is something different. The Beatles stands on their own because yeah. uh, Beatlemania Plenty of people were all about the Beatles and Beatlemania for that reason, because it was popular at the time. Everybody who's anybody is going to see the Beatles. Well, you know what's really strange is as huge as Beatlemania was, do you know what ended it? I have no idea. The Beatles themselves. Oh, okay. Because it was too much for them. You know, they, they felt like... Well, number one, there was safety issues involved in yeah. performing. You know, there mm-hmm. had been multiple threats put out against them, you know, and, sure. and you know, them performing in stadiums. They thought anybody can take a pop at us, you know, anytime. Yeah, and how would you know? And number two, they couldn't hear themselves. Their music wasn't getting better as a group, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which was something they really aspired to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's when they did switch over to the, you know, basically studio recording. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, if they never would have done that, I don't think we would have had some of their best music. You know, as much as I love their early music, it's not their best music. It, it's certainly their first few albums, four or five albums, are music you would play at the clubs, you would play live, mm-hmm. you'd hear it live, you know. Yeah. You get in their later albums, like I said before, they couldn't at the time be rep- reproduced live, and they made the conscious decision that we are not touring anymore. You know, nobody can hear us because of the screams. We're not getting better. We want to make better music in the studio. And we, you know, Paul McCartney said it himself before. We wanted to go in and make this album, spend time making this album, one that couldn't be reproduced, and then send the videos and the songs out on tour instead of us. Yeah. And that's what they did. And, I mean, it was a huge, huge gamble. Mm Mm-hmm. But it obviously paid off for them, you know? Yeah. Well, like I was saying before, a lot of the, it seems like a lot of the performers or the, the bands at the time before the Beatles and going into it were basically seen as a canary that, Hey, you know, put them on a perch, stick a microphone in front of them, make him sing a few songs and then send him on his way. And that was kind of how it was, uh, apart from playing, in gigs or, you know, clubs or uh, lounges that seemed to be a musician's life. But with the Beatles, they took a different step, a different approach to it. And they changed things up and started to mess around in the mechanics of the studio and started to play around with things. Like um, you were explaining to me, Justin, that if you took um, different tracks, you had four tracks that you could do. Well, you take four tracks and start doubling them up. So yeah. you, you put, um, you know, John Lennon records his first backup on track one. Then you play track one along with John Lennon singing his lead vocals on track two. Okay. And then you do a 
you know, even more and more. You play that recording, and all of a sudden you've got not just four tracks, you've got 16 tracks that you can play with, and all of this within, like, a day of recording. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it was something where it was just kind of innovative, something brand new, something that's, uh, that I consider to be extremely respectable. Well, they there was a lot of firsts uh, they created, and obviously as popular as they were, other artists you know followed after. I mean, they their their song "I Feel Fine" starts with guitar feedback, which was something that what was never featured on record before. No, it was it, a mistake, right? It was a mistake, but John Lennon mm-hmm. was the one said, "Let's leave that in there." Yeah, you know, and you look at things like that, and it's questionable, but. You know, a lot of people say, well, that's where Jimi Hendrix picked that up, you know, and mm-hmm. made that a huge part of his repertoire, you know. And yeah. there's a lot of things like that. Ticket to Ride was a pretty heavy song mm-hmm. for the time. It was one of probably the very first song to to uh, include power chords on the guitar, which, mm-hmm. you know, nobody knew what they really were. And then Pete Townsend took that into the Who and started using it extensively in the Who music. And yeah. now it becomes any kind of rock music, especially mm-hmm. harder rock music relies yeah. on a lot of power chords, you know, which if, you know, you're familiar with the guitar, play mm-hmm. guitar, you know what a power chord is, you yeah. know? Um, and there, and the, the way they went through the studio, you know, the thing I find most amazing about them is they were just a little rock and roll band to begin with. And they kept building on that and mm-hmm. building on it. And then they went into the studio and did that. And, you know, they, they really only did three seriously studio only albums. And then they got to the white album, which was a little more raw again. You know, when they visited India, they wrote a lot of these songs on their acoustic guitars. I mean, there was a lot of studio tricks put into it, but Mm -hmm. it was more raw recording. Let it be was more raw. Then on Abbey road, they returned to, you know, some more in studio things, which I think Abbey road is by far the best sounding album Mm -hmm. as far as, technologically because they had advanced the equipment and things like that. But the fact that they recorded, please, please me in 1963 and their last album, Abbey road in 1969, six years, they were able to do, we're looking at this board, right? They were able to do 13 albums, one of them Mm -hmm. being a double album. So 14 albums worth of music in six years. Mm Mm-hmm. Most recording artists are lucky if they would do two albums in that time. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, in that time, they did movies, they all kinds of other adventures, you know. And not to mention the amount that music changed in the six years was culturally completely different. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they had, you know, I don't think they were riding the wave, but they pretty much created the wave that everyone else rode, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they had the people they liked, you know, they were obviously <laughs> huge fans of Elvis Presley, huge fans of little Richard, huge, yeah. huge fans of, uh, let's say, Oh, Bob Dylan, even, you yeah. know, and they, they somehow harnessed all those things into their music while, you know, creating their own. But that's why, you know, what I was saying about George possibly breaking up the Beatles, I think Paul was, the, especially once I got in the studio, he was the driving force because he is the A-type mm-hmm. personality. Yeah. And even Ringo, I think even John said it before that if it wasn't for Paul, they would have made 
a quarter of the albums yeah. because he was the one driving it, you know, and mm-hmm. and that that's what makes me really appreciate him more than anything because when it comes down to the bottom line of everything with the Beatles for me is it comes down to the music, right? Yeah. And I wish they could have done more, but maybe if they'd done more, it wouldn't be as, as I wouldn't be as appreciative of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know? What are your thoughts about um, their other work after the fact, like after the Beatles break up? Um, I really, <coughs> excuse me, I really enjoy John Lennon's uh, first couple albums, uh, Plastic Ono Band and the Imagine album. I really enjoy those two. And then he's, you know, obviously he was shot dead in 1980. So he was only making music for 10 years. And he took about five of that 10 years off to raise his newborn son. Mm -hmm. So he didn't have a lot of time to put into music. And when I say a lot of time, it it seems kind of funny because the Beatles did all that music in six years, you know, Yeah. but he was, you know, being a husband, being a father, doing those kind of things. And I like his albums. The first two are great. And even after that, they're pretty decent. Um, Paul McCartney. um, I really like his first couple albums. I like his wings albums, you know, uh, but, you know, he kind of got diluted a little bit in the 80s and the 90s and even now. And I, and I don't know if that, I don't think that's a lack of talent. I think it's just Paul McCartney saying, you know, I've done what I need to do. I'm going to mm-hmm. make the music I want to make now and say what I want to say. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it took a lot of years, you know. And, uh, you know, that's what uh, John Lennon did with his wedding album with Yoko Ono. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, um, if... Why don't you tell us a little bit about the wedding album? Well, the, Just... the wedding album, I don't know if you ever heard Revolution Number no. 9 on white on the White Album, but it's a, it's a nonsense nine-minute-long song of sounds and screams and different mm-hmm. things. The wedding album is ten times that yeah. <laughs> on steroids, and it does also feature, you know, a, a full frontal mm-hmm. nude picture of both Yoko and John standing there for the whole world to see. That's right. Um, so you can see how John's compares to Ty's eight inch cock. That's right. And, and now I'm not even talking chickens. No, but, (laughs) but yeah, it's a nonsense album. John, John was, I think Mm -hmm. with Yoko, I think it led him especially into that so-called avant-garde stage of this where you get into pure modern art in music form. Well, I, I think, we're going to be strange and call it art. And I, and I, yeah. he, he grew out of it a little mm-hmm. bit. He really did. Because when you get yeah. into the mid seventies, he, he released an album that had a bunch of old hits from the sixties and fifties. He, he redid the song stand by me by mm-hmm. Benny King, which he did an amazing job on that. And he was yeah. kind of going back to his roots. And when you get his last album that was released right before he was uh, murdered, um, double fantasy, it's got some amazing songs on it. And the funny thing is, is the things he was critical of Paul McCartney, because Paul McCartney always kind of had the lovey-dovey songs. Yeah. You know, I love you, you know, just another mm-hmm. day, those kind of things. And he always kind of made fun of Paul. But it's really funny because come full circle to John, when he made Double Fantasy, and he was making the lovey-dovey songs. Mm-hmm. You know, he's saying Beautiful Boy or, yeah. you know, songs about being home and loving his 
home life and loving his wife. And, yeah. You know, it's amazing that he kind of made that transition. And I would have loved to seen where that would have went, you know. Um, George, a little different. Um, I'm not as big a fan of his solo stuff. It's because he's an asshole. <laughs> well, that's part of it. He broke up the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's my personal opinion. I, I mean, it, it's certainly more egos than just his, but it didn't help. But, you know, John uh, George, you know, arguably had some of the bigger hits than mm -hmm. the other guys for a while, you know. But obviously in the 80s, he got, you know, I don't know if you know the song, Got My Mind Set On You. Mm -hmm. He did that. That was number one hit for him. And then he formed the Traveling Wilburys with uh, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, and Jeff Lynne. Wow. And they had a couple big hits. And then mm -hmm. Roy Orbison died. It's and, a real dream team. Yeah. Roy Orbison died, and they just kind of dissolved the deal. Um, you know, the funny enough is right after the Beatles broke up, Ringo was the first one to have success. Oh. With his... Uh, album and he had a couple number ones right in a row mm -hmm. but since then he hasn't been you know Ringo does a lot of stuff he travels with his all-star band mm -hmm. and I've never seen him I'm and guessing never... he doesn't travel with uh, Paul's granddad anymore no I, I think Paul's granddad died Paul's granddad uh, really set Ringo off yeah because, you know, making fun of his nose. You know, Ringo's just kind of the accepting Beatle. It seems like over the years, you know, after they broke up, Paul and John would have, you know, arguments <laughs> through through some of their songs, mm -hmm. through the media, whatever. Uh, George and John had some problems. George and Paul always had problems. But Ringo seemed to always connect with every one of them, no matter what. Yeah. He was just kind of the glue for all of them. And there's plenty of times. Well, he's a good guy. Yeah, Paul and Paul and Ringo got together to record. George and Ringo did. Mm -hmm. John and Ringo. John and George yeah. did. It, they just never all got back together. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, and maybe it's best that they didn't. You know, maybe it would have been, you know, lackluster and, you know, not polished off their career correctly. I don't, it's hard to say the closest thing they ever got to doing is in 95, when they released the anthologies, they took two of John's home recordings, one real love and the other one free as a bird. And the Beatles recorded extra music over the top of it mm -hmm. or the threedles as you would call them. Cause yeah. there was only three of them and extra lyrics over and made two new songs. And they're, and they're pretty damn good songs in my opinion. They have the feel of the Beatles, but they're they're yeah. still different, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yet yeah, I think Paul McCartney with Wings and his solo career, he's had you know a hall rock and roll Hall of Fame career after the Beatles, mm -hmm. and George and John did arguably too, and pr probably Ringo did too. <laughs> but the question is, if they had not been in the Beatles, where would their careers been? I don't yeah. know. I think. Paul probably would have been more successful than any of him mm -hmm. just because of his drive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and he's still out there. Yeah. He's still out there making new albums. Mm -hmm. He's still touring. Mm -hmm. And of course, when he's touring, he's playing primarily Beatles and Wings yeah. tunes of the, mm -hmm. you know, because he's got a lot of popular Wings tunes too yeah. that people know. So, you know, I, I think I, I sit back as a huge Beatles fan. I think, what if or, 
this and that. But in all reality, I don't know if it could have turned out better. You know, it is what it is. We've got what we've got. And there's a lot of material to to devour if you're simply a Beatles fan. And if you want to get into their solo stuff like I do, there's it. It's pretty damn near endless. Yeah. So, yeah. But I'm a freak and I'm not even the biggest of the freaks that are out there. I promise you that. No, but and that's kind of the exciting thing about it is because you're not on a, a level where having a conversation with you about the Beatles makes me disconcerted to be in your basement alone with you. <laughs> <laughs> because there's there's people like that out there it's good where I, didn't... I would be concerned being alone in their basement. Yeah, with I guess it's good I didn't that. get too <laughs> deep into it then, isn't it? But that's just it. It's like it's a very... Uh, what What is this? This is a, a love story that you're letting me be a part of with uh, you and the Beatles. And, you know, you love them, you adore them, you, you're a completist with uh, your collections of their albums and every anthology that gets released. Yeah. And I, you I, share that with me. I'm certainly a completist when it comes to the music. Yeah. Um, I have some of their movies. Um, you know, obviously I have some of their posters and mm-hmm. a little bit of memorabilia, but I mean, really, yeah. like I said earlier, really what it comes down to for me is the music, you know, and mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time playing it on the guitar too. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but they have such a wide array of different music in mm-hmm. that short period of time that I don't True. really get sick of them. You know I mean? I can yeah. kind of say, okay, I don't really want to listen to early stuff anymore. I want to mm-hmm. kick over to this or, or yeah. whatever, you know, you know, that that's another thing that I have been, um, what had my eyes open to what, when you listen to one Beatles song, you haven't heard them all. No, they, I feel yeah. like they're, when we're going back to country music earlier, not only country music by any country music artist, like if you've heard one song of theirs, you've heard them all. It seems like the whole genre anymore of country music, if you've heard one song, you've heard every country song that's ever. But don't you think that's a bit like anyone? I mean, I hear that with, you know, when you like a band, like I love the Beatles, obviously I like the Doors, I like the Who, Mm -hmm. and their music's so different, but you hear people that are detractors of that music, the Doors, for example, Mm -hmm. I hear all the time, all their music's the same. Well, no, it's not, but it may be to you, you know, and and I'm sure people say that about the Beatles. And Mm -hmm. Well, here's here's the thing, is the, the Beatles sound a lot like each other. Like, I, um, when we've been going through these, um, through these albums, Justin will ask me if, uh, so who, who's singing this one? And sometimes I can't tell the difference between, uh, John and George. And see, that blows me away. And maybe that's mm-hmm. just because I know them so well and I've well, listened to them for them so well. They don't sound anything the same to me. Yeah. I'm getting better at it. But the, uh, even with Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney has a very like refined voice, but at the same time, he can <clears throat> he can gravel it up a little bit and sound more raw and um what more basic like John Lennon. Well, I think a perfect example is the White Album. Number yeah. one, this is when the Beatles are starting to break up a little bit. They're not mm-hmm. working on songs so much together as they mm-hmm. are separate. Every song on that, you'll go from a heavy rocker to a show tune to mm-hmm. a country-esque song to a, yeah, I don't know. It just goes mm-hmm. all, it goes through all the, yeah, 
all the different styles and, and mm -hmm. there's no one given and that's anything a, in that. That's um, what's so great about the Beatles is that there's different styles. Yeah. Like uh, they have really soft and melodic songs, almost lullabies. Uh, they've got other ones that are heavy metal before heavy metal was even a thing. And then yeah. they, they were pioneers in this kind of thing. They took rock and roll to the next level. If it wasn't for the Beatles, you don't have uh, a lot of the more heavier bands that showed up uh, following in their footsteps later on. Yeah, at least in the same manner they they did come forth. Yeah, it, you know. So, yeah, well, the Beatles sound like the Beatles. That's that's part of what makes us like them is that we we like the way that they sound. Well, and you know, I met a lot of people that are <clears throat> Beatles haters. Yeah, and. I think most of the people I met just hate them simply because they're popular. Mm -hmm. And, and I get that because I have my same way of mm -hmm. things with that too. You know, it's kind of like, I'm tired of hearing about that. I'm not as mm -hmm. interested in this. So out, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Um, the Beatles came later to me than some other music, you know, like I fell in love with the doors and the who a few years mm -hmm. before the Beatles. And I remember thinking of the Beatles at the time, is something I didn't really want to listen to. You know, I'd heard a couple of the radio played songs, but I just didn't really want to dive into them. And my first album I bought was their double greatest, their double blue album, which mm -hmm. is kind of their greatest hits from the second, their later years. And I'm glad I did because I think if I would have bought their earlier stuff, I don't think I would have appreciated them as much. Mm -hmm. So I started with their later stuff and went backwards and started appreciating their early stuff. Yeah. Because I think at the age I was at, I don't think I would have appreciated the early stuff as much. Yeah. Just because it, I mean, who's to say, I don't mm -hmm. know, but that, that's what made me fall in love with them. And yeah. then the first album I bought was the white album. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't follow any, you know, I wasn't like some of the older people that grew up in america and bought their albums as they were released right yeah. and grew up with them i didn't grow up with them at all mm -hmm. you know i had to learn them in a different way and i didn't learn them in order so yeah. <laughs> you know so it's it's kind of interesting for me to jump all over but um i would say any beatles fan in our reality should listen to their later more popular stuff mm -hmm. to get an understanding of them and then go backwards. Yeah. That would be my suggestion, but that's mm -hmm. only because that was my experience. True. Um, I guess my indifference to the Beatles is I'm not, I, I, I'm just not real keen on their sound, um, the sound of their voices or the style of their music. But at the same time, even though it doesn't really strike a chord within me, um, I, can stand back and take a look at this uh, piece of art that's been created. And I can appreciate it for the art that it is. Well, I think, you know, regardless of where you stand on it, you mm -hmm. need to at least sit back and say, okay, the art they created spurred a lot of artists to do yeah. different things that they probably wouldn't have in them. You know, sure. we can't really say, but mm -hmm. we know how big of an influence. I mean, you can't talk to any popular artist nowadays that, yeah. and I'm talking music artist that, that doesn't say the Beatles weren't some kind of influence on them, mm -hmm. you know, uh, whether they like the music or not, which is, you know, I mean, really when it comes down to it, it's no different than a TV show or a movie, right. Yeah. Or a, car or something mm -hmm. your preference is your preference yeah i mean it, it's not 
Uh, here's a great uh, example when it comes to art. Pablo Picasso. Okay, When you look at some of his early paintings, they're perfect portraits, perfect, uh, completely understandable paintings. Mm-hmm. But he had to be able to paint that clearly and that well in order to create his own what he you know his own like uh trademark yeah. you know picasso of you know make creating a painting that looks nothing like what it's supposed to look like and yet when you look at the individual pieces that make up that painting uh that's where you see it really shine i mean you take a, a look at the whole thing you're like this is a mess but then you take a look more at the individual pieces of that mess and you realize what he's done is he's just taken it and like uh what's the uh, the term in culinary it's uh uh the he's torn it apart <laughs> yeah i'm with you yeah well and that's the same thing right cuz music film mm-hmm. uh collectibles of any kind you know like i said vehicles everything's up to the eye of the beholder Mm -hmm. or in the case of music the ear of the beholder but you know there's no one thing i mean we can look at record sales we can look at movie sales Mm -hmm. you know we can look at those kind of things and some of the most popular things in the world doesn't mean they're the best right i mean like we're talking contemporary music there's always those little things that hit you know Mm millie vanilli Sure. You know, I mean, and where are they now? Right. <laughs> they're, they're the butt of an endless joke. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, even music that was supposed to be huge, huge mm-hmm. for years and years to yeah. come, it was huge for a couple of years. And now we're not even speaking of it. And you can't even find it in the blowfish. Exactly. Things <laughs> like that. So, you know, I think with the Beatles, the one thing you at least concede to, and I'm fine with people not liking them. In mm-hmm. fact, I prefer in some ways, you know. Yeah. Um, they have the best of both worlds. They have a huge catalog. They had, you know, they changed the scene of music. And on top of that, they're still as relevant or if more relevant mm-hmm. now than they were when they were together. Yeah. And most people can't say that after five years of a career, let alone 50 mm-hmm. to 60. Yeah. So this is the standard that we hold Taylor Swift to. Yeah. Whether it's fair of us or not, that's, uh, that's irrelevant because you know it's not our world it's not your world buzz off well and i've listened to taylor swift's music a tiny Mm -hmm. bit and i don't find much substance in it so Mm -hmm. for me that's my personal opinion maybe i'm wrong she had a dream that her uh step or that her daughter-in-law killed her for the money that she thinks was left for her in the will and then uh they all found out that she didn't leave her anything so interesting yeah well i think that about wraps it up for us tonight yep on that note thank you very much for joining us again this week and um, we will see you in the future please send us uh, all uh emails requests um and thank you again for the emails requesting to hear about this because this has been a, a really fun experience for me to to enjoy and uh i'm glad that you got to share in a little bit of that tonight so We'll bring you more Beatles going forward. Send your emails to aboutwhatpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Give us a like and five stars all over the place. And all we're not on Facebook. And until next time, we love you all. Yes, we do. 